This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. Clay Byersdorfer is not with us. He is deathly ill. Fired him. He is deathly ill because Andy fired him. We'll be uh, we'll actually be calling uh, Clay. Uh, Clay will be calling in from his deathbed later on to say goodbye to everybody. He yeah, is, it's uh, a very it's a very sad situation with Clay. You know, he's um, he caught millennial flu. <laughs> you know, all those uh, tours of duty in Iraq and you know joining the military. You think he'd be a little bit tougher? You would think he would be. Nope, not these millennials. You think, okay. If, Wusses. If you saw the three of us, me, right? Clay, and Andy, mm-hmm. you'd be like, okay, well, like, who's going to be the most unhealthy person? You're probably going to point at either me or Andy. Right. You would never think Clay. Clay's got a, 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 a youthful head of hair. He does. He's under 200 pounds, I would imagine, right at it. Right, right at it. And uh, well, So am I. Yeah, you are too. My left leg is under two. Sure, pounds. like maybe on the moon. I was right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or on Mars or somewhere. On Mars, sure. Somewhere out there in the galaxy. But uh yeah, Clay. Calling from his deathbed a little bit later. We'll get his uh we'll get his opinion on the Goldschmidt press conference. And then um today it was word got out that Dexter Fowler, the Fowlers, will be hosting the Cardinals upper management and manager Mike Schilt at his house for dinner this evening in Las Vegas. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's a lot of St. Louis media on the ground there in is. Las Vegas. Yes, there is. Even, a lot. And uh, we could do almost an entire podcast about Brendan Schaefer's hair. We could. He's got like this Fabio head of hair now. I wonder, I if, I wonder if he's, if he's like doing like a locks for love kind of deal. That, you know what? I didn't even think about that. I'm going to feel like an asshole then if I'm making fun of his hair. Roderick just got all of his goofy hair off. I saw that on, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, no, I think Schaefer's just growing it out because he's, he's a teen heartthrob, that Brendan Schaefer. I mean, well, yeah. even though he's married, happily married. Sure. He drives the girls wild. I mean, and he's didn't got, he he's have got like, a youthful look. He, didn't he have a podcast network for a while, too? Uh, who knows? Or if he got a blog site. He's something, he had something going well, he had on. The, he had the intrepid.com going. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember who else he had right for that. But, uh, I mean, who knows? Now he writes for KMOV.com, and he's in, he's in Vegas right now covering all the goings-on of the uh, winter meetings in Las Vegas. But I'm, I'm wondering, this meeting that Dexter Fowler is having with the Cardinals, some people are kind of like, oh, they're probably going to talk to him about, you know, about accepting a trade, accepting a trade. No. I, I don't think so, because Mike Schilt wouldn't be there for that, I don't think. No. I think as he just said, hey, come on by the house. Let's have some dinner. Let's hang out. Yeah, I think it's probably you that. guys are in town, and it could be talking about like you know the the plans for the future and where he fits into the ball club. They may and, not talk about baseball at all. Oh, I mean, you're going to talk about baseball. Do you talk about radio all the time with people or your other it, it, or your it, other banking work? No, right? No, because I don't with them because they're not in radio, right? But when I'm together with like with Tom West. And Joe De Niro and other people who I used name to work dropper. with. I am a, a, a pick up those two names. You know, whenever I'm talking to J.C. Corcoran, um, right. you know, like I will talk radio with those guys because I like talking about radio. Yeah. And I imagine those are entertaining conversations. They're entertaining conversations. You yeah. do learn. And oh, I'm sure. You, and I find I find the subject I find the subject interesting. Oh, I do too. 
So, uh, but you know, the people I work with, I, I mean, if they ask me about the podcast or they ask me about my time at 590, I'll talk to them about it. Yeah. But I mean, like to have, I mean, this sounds kind of hoity-toity, like a lot of stuff is like inside baseball. They won't know what I'm talking about. Exactly. So, I mean, it's kind of like, I'm not going, to, if I'm explaining something to them, then I will explain it. But before you started broadcasting, were you, were you kind of a wannabe? Would you kind of like keep up with? Huge geek. Yeah, I was oh, too. Oh, yeah. When I first started at TalkSTL.com and uh, I was talking one of the, the salespeople there, she was like, you know what I like about you? She's like, you're just a radio geek like the rest of us. I had no idea you were like that. I'm like, I'm a big time radio geek. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I, I got my, my uh, degree in broadcasting and film at uh, Central Missouri State University, and I wanted to do one of two things with that degree. I either wanted to... Uh, broadcast or make films? <laughs> I either wanted to radio broadcast, I either wanted to have a radio yeah. talk show. Or I wanted to write movies. I had no interest in TV. I had no interest in doing anything on camera. I think TV is boring. I think it is too, and, and very unstable. As, far, as, as, as is the radio business. Yeah, it is. I'm not talking about like watching TV. Obviously, I like to watch TV, but I'm talking about like the actual creative process of it. I don't find TV nearly as interesting as I do radio. I was a hu- I was going to be Mr. Radio and Mr. Newspaper when I when I graduated high school. What did you want to do? Like have a column or worked? Oh yeah, did you? Okay. I worked here at the I worked here at the local newspaper for about seven years, uh, but I changed my major three years in from mass comp to business, and so, so I can major in in MIS. In there you IT. go. So it's got, I, I, I always mean, and here I but yeah here I am still sitting behind a, a mixing desk and <laughs> and, and, and Adobe Audition and well, still recording stuff. Well, here I am, uh, twenty years removed from getting my broadcast degree, and then still kind of like on the fringes of broadcasting. Right, you know, like I I didn't work in radio for the longest time. Yeah, me either. For the longest time. I mean, I guess I really started in 2013 when I started doing the uh, voiceover stuff on 920 for CBS okay. Sports 920. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was really the first exposure I had had to prof- you know to professional radio. Talk STL was five years ago, four four years yeah. ago, five years ago when I first started doing that. And that was actually only because of the person that I worked with. His brother owned TalkSTL.com. And he goes, hey, go talk to my brother, Scott Gherkin. He'll, you know, he'll Great guy. I love Scotty oh, Gherkin. Scotty's awesome. And then working with Scotty at TalkSTL turned into 1380, which turned into 590, which turned into here. I mean, yeah. it's, it's amazing how it happens. I was telling somebody about podcasting the other day, and they were like, you know, what, what, what is it about? I was like, well, first of all. Everybody and their brother has a podcast now. You're right about that. It's very hard to uh, differentiate yourself from everybody else. The, the barriers to entry are very, very low. Very low. I mean, you know, I've, I've acquired all this equipment over years, but what I've noticed is that we are one of the few professional-sounding podcasts. Very. I mean, a lot of it is record. It's four guys sitting around a, a, a laptop microphone, and you can kind of hear one guy, and you can kind of hear another guy. Are we using full studio-grade equipment here? No. No, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. And like, I mean, when we first started doing this, I was worried about the quality of the sound. Like, is it going to sound kind of tinny? Because there's, I mean, we're recording this in an office. There's no soundproofing up or anything like that. No, there's and it's, nothing. It's, it sounds amazing. People tell me all the time how much they love, how much, super how much they like quiet. the quality of the sound. And I love it too, man. It's, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest compliments I get with, with doing these things is like, oh my gosh, I mean, where's your studio space? I'm like, it's a conference room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. I mean, we're sitting here. It looks like a, it's, a, it's a board table. Yeah, yeah, pretty it's much. Like it's a granite board table. We talk about doors and millwork here all day. Yeah, that, that's what it is. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it is hard to differentiate uh, to uh, stand out. It is. It when really it comes is. to podcasting. And I think, I think in the long run, um, the quote unquote amateurs at it will fall by the wayside, and they'll get bored with it. And then, but people who are really interested in doing it will continue to create great well, content. 
and uh, and they'll stand out. I mean, it's just going to take time. You you have to be committed to it. That's the thing too. You absolutely do. I mean, like when I was at Talk STL. Not that Jay and Terry weren't committed. They were committed to it, but they have other obligations that I don't have. They were about five years too soon. They were, I mean... The they're, prob- a little, they're a little early. I wouldn't say they were a little early. The problem is, is that they were good at it, but we weren't good enough to find somebody to pay us to do it full time. That's what it was. If they, were, if, they, if they could find a way for us to get paid to do that full time, the three of us would probably still be working together and doing it someplace. Well, I got good news. What's that? I'm gonna be able to pay you to do this full time. All right, <laughs> finally, I can quit that. I can quit that banking job. Right, but uh, like Jay and Terry, they're they're married guys. They have kids. They have other obligations. Yeah. I am a childless loser. The only person I have to worry about is myself. I've got all the free time in the world. So when I can rearrange my schedule rather easily, and it's easier for me to make commitments. Yeah, I can make you know. I'm the same way. When I was at like. Well, we were at thirteen eighty, and then they were going to revamp five ninety the fan, and I was going to be on in the morning with Dave Rapp. I could come in at six in the morning and work until eight, six to eight, and then go do my day job after that. Right? You know, I mean, it was it was one of the more difficult months. That January of two thousand sixteen was one of the most difficult months of my life. You had to be exhausted. I was exhausted. You have no idea how exhausted I was. Are you a morning guy anyway? I am a little bit, but it takes me a while to get going. Like I'm not crabby in the morning, but I'm not one of those guys that like. But are you just a fi- springs are you, out of bed? And, are you a five a.m. guy? I mean, I get up at five a.m. now. Oh, do you really? I do. Yeah, and the reason why I get up at five, I have to be at work at seven. I only live fifteen minutes away. Okay, but I'm one of those guys where I like to have a you know drink a cup of coffee, watch a little TV, wake up a little bit, and then get going. Like I yeah. can't just rush right out of bed. I, oh, see, I, I never can. I'm not a morning person, so I, I end up rushing out of bed. See, I can't do that. Every morning. And then, you know, I'm just used to it. I know people who get up and they go to the gym in the morning. I can't do that at all. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a night I gym should guy. do that. I'm, I've heard that's actually better it for is, you. It is supposedly better for you, but. But I mean, like, I have no energy in the morning. So I'm like, I'm, I'm know, not going I'm to do so that. I'm so sleepy. Yeah, I mean, I just. And I don't like to be rushed in the morning either. And I feel like if you're, if you're going to do that, you're going to end up being rushed. But anyway, when they came to me about doing the mornings at 590, it was easier for me to do it. They wanted Jay and Terry to do it as well at, at first because Scotty was in charge of programming. And he's like, we're going to have him do it. We're going to have the sports junkies do it. And I, I go, look, I go, I'm not going to speak for Jay and Terry, but I'm pretty sure they can. But I'll ask them. And when I asked them about it, they're like, oh, how much is it going to pay? I'm like, probably nothing, you know, at first until we get an audience going. And then and they're like, you know, we, we can't do that. I, I can't come in at six in the morning and then work until eight. And then Jay was running his own business, which is blown up like you wouldn't believe. He's like, I can't come in and do that. And then what does he do? He owns a, uh, a pool and landscaping business. Oh, awesome. Pro Skate Pools and Landscaping. Uh, okay. I, 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 I would give the number as a free commercial, but I don't know what the number is. Just Google. Uh, pro skate pools, pro skate pools and landscaping. I see the work that he does. He does tremendous work, and like, like I said, that business has blown up like crazy over the past couple of years. But he just couldn't, you know, take the time out of his day, sure, to do that. And neither could Terry. I'm the only one who could because I didn't have the obligation. So they paired me up with Dave Rapp, and then we brought in Joe De Niro, and then they brought in Dino, and the rest is history. Um, but um, you know, like I do. Like I, I was able like podcasting, you have to make it as you have to make it as a commitment. Yeah. And this isn't a slam on Clay because he's not here. Because no, he's no, 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 no. We're just we're just shooting the shit. Yeah. Like, like Clay's going to go back listening to this going, oh, my God, those guys are trashing me. When no, I no, here. not at all. We love you, Clay. Clay is committed just as committed Absolutely. as everybody else is. Absolutely. But like even in, in uh, when I was at 590, even the show there that we were but I was brokering at the time. 
You have to be committed to that. You too. sure do. You absolutely have to be committed. You know, you can't like every once in a while. It's okay to have the night off. Like, hey, you know, it's my girlfriend's anniversary. We got plans to have dinner someplace. Fine, that's okay. Cool, yeah. go to it. You, you got to stick I, to it. I, I got tickets to the game. Like, you have to be there every day. You have to be there on time. You have to be ready to go. And there are a lot of people who just weren't. Yeah, they just didn't want to make the commitment. Yeah, they just they didn't know what really what it really really entailed. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It is so much work doing those sports junkie shows. I'd be exhausted at the end of the day. I'm sure you were, man. And people were like, why are you so tired? You're just talking. I'm like, no, but I'm like, it's all the prep that I have the to prep do. That, the prep that goes into it. And I was running point on that show as well. So you had to try to keep those two maniacs in line and then know when to go to break and everything else. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it was it was I mean, it's, it's a lot it's, to think about. It's a lot of brain power. It's, it's harder work than what people think. And when I think back about when I was doing that 590 show, where it was pretty much just me, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I had Rockio, but Rockio was doing so many other things at 590 that he really didn't have time to produce my show. Right. He just came in and he was kind of like a sidekick more than anything yeah. else. He did book guests every once in a while. But for the most part, I mean, he had other obligations at 590 to do. And I mean, my show wasn't that important. I mean, I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm me. You know, I'm, I'm not the afternoon drive. I'm not the I'm not the midday grind. I'm not any of that. So I would be in charge of booking all the guests. So I'm doing like my day job during the day. And then when I found time, I was texting and emailing and and direct sure. messaging people trying to book guests. And I'm looking back and I'm like, how the hell did I do that for as long as I did? Can you hire Iggy? <laughs> well, I mean, like it, it got to the point where like we had certain regulars at certain time and that did help. Oh, I sure. always knew like Tuesday I was going to have Howard Balzer on, and then you know Friday was the film uh, film critic Kevin Brackett, and then yeah. you know the rest of it was was fairly easy. Again, creating that consistency, creating the consistency, and then building a good rapport with a lot of the guests too. Like sure, I mean like I mean the people who listen to the podcast that we had with Amy Trask, you know Amy, all I had to do is say hey Amy, like I just had to give her enough notice. Can you come on? She was like sure because at the time we were a CBS affiliate, and she works for CBS, so it was easier to book. We right. Did, I didn't have to jump through any channels. I could just book somebody. Let me change the name to the CBS Podcast Network. <laughs> that might be a little bit difficult to get clearance with them. Probably, maybe a little bit. Well, I think I think I think Columbia Broadcasting System is uh, is trademarked, copyrighted. I One think of the that two? might be copyrighted. Damn it! Well, maybe we do something with the I. Could like like make it all bloodshot or something. There you- <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. But going back to. Dexter Fowler, yeah, and the dinner that he's having with—we really digressed there, didn't we? we? We really did. It's easy to do on this on this program. Um, the the dinner that he's having with Schilt and Gersh and Mo, I think they're going in there to probably talk about where he's going to fit in with the team and you know like his his place going forward. I know the BFIB hates that because they want to see Dexter Fowler like gone last week. They want nothing to do with Dexter Fowler. He had a terrible year last year. I understand it. I know a great number of you think that he didn't try. I keep telling you that's not the case, but it's kind of like yeah, I, I'm never going to convince you otherwise. But if you look at his 2017 stats, I mean, they were okay. They were about his average. He batted 264. He had 18 home runs, and he drove in 64 runs. He had on-base percentage of 363. It was just okay. It wasn't, yeah. Is he overpaid? Yes, there's, but he's not the only person on the team who's overpaid. No. Quit crying about it. It's not your money. But if you put that Dexter Fowler and you have him batting behind DeYoung or Ozuna, let's say he's batting fifth or sixth, depending on where DeYoung is, right. 
let's say the Paul Goldschmidt best of his capability, and let's say Ozuna rounds back into form, he's not a bad player to have. He's in right field. He's no longer he's 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 no longer a great fielder anymore. I'll agree with you on that one. Yeah. But I mean, it, but you know, you t- but talk about Ozuna and and Goldschmidt. I mean, those guys give him protection. Absolutely, and that which makes which automatically makes him a great header. Which which is why I think he was successful to play a lot in Chicago. He had protection. He had a whole all kinds of protection. I am worried about his the loss of a step that he had in the field as far as fueling goes. He probably is. He probably needs to come to grips with that. That he's not as fast as what he used to be. And yeah, he used to be able to kind of like drift off and glide to where he was to get the sure. ball because he was faster. He's not that fast anymore, and he's going to have to maybe move a little bit differently. He, he maybe needs to come to that uh, that realization, or maybe he needs to realize that he can't do that anymore. And then if he can, I don't know what to do. But I am really pulling for Dexter Fowler to have a, a bounce back year. I really am. I I, I, I hope he does too. Because and, and to the detractors who said they didn't try. Get off your high horse. You're not a major league baseball player, and you you can't not try. Thank you. I keep saying that. You don't get to the, like two percent. He's in like the top two percent of his field. Correct. Okay. You don't get to that just by being lazy. And I don't no. think he just showed up one day and said, "You know what? I don't give a shit anymore. I'm just going to go out there. And I'm just going to loaf." Do people perform better in contract years? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a well known fact that they do. Of course. But. But to say he doesn't try, it's just so far-fetched. I just don't buy it. I just really hope he has a great bounce back year because, I mean, the Cardinals are going to need him. If they're going to, if they're going to be committed to him, it's in, it's in your best interest, Cardinal fan, for Dexter Fowler to have a bounce back year. I know that may, 100%. I know that may rob you of the joy of gushing over uh, Tyler O'Neill, but Tyler O'Neill probably isn't going anywhere. No, probably not. I mean, if you think about it, he's probably the fourth outfielder. Probably. I would say so. Unless, like, he just gets there and he's just hitting the cover off the ball. Sure. And Harrison Bader, for some reason, is struggling. If that's the case, you're probably going to see Bader be the fourth outfielder and then Tyler O'Neill is going to be in you're center field. See, you know, guys that are that jacked, I mean, they're prone to a lot of injury. They are. They pull a lot of muscles. Look and, at McGuire. Yep. They get hurt. I mean, I'm not saying that he's on anything illegal. I'm not either, but no, you're right. Just, I mean, just guys in general who are built like that. They usually have a lot of back problems. Have a lot of back problems. Those muscles are pulled so tight already. Yes. And then you're doing the stop motion of rest and then swinging violently. That's how you usually pull a muscle in your back. Yeah. Who is the uh, Brad? um, Who is the pitcher for the Cardinals? Brad P. Penny. Oh, Brad Penny. Yeah, it was Brad Penny. Yeah, Brad Penny. Who's Pennymaker? I have no idea. Sounds like a made-up name. Penny, I was thinking of Pennywise the Clown. Oh. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, he, hit, he hit the Grand Slam, pulled his back muscle. And he never heard from Never pitched again in the, major league, again. in the major leagues. Crazy. Now, you want to talk about someone like questioning someone's commitment. I, we could probably maybe do that with Brad Penny when he was here. Well, maybe. But at that point, he had so much money. He was crushing every... Every um, starlet out in Hollywood. I mean, he was going out with like Alyssa Milano. I'm trying to remember. I mean, he, his list. Yeah, because he came from Los Angeles. Yes. I mean, it wasn't as impressive as Derek Jeter's, but it wasn't a bad list. It was a pretty good list. It wasn't a bad list of what Brad Penny had. That's too funny. Of what Brad Penny's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because when you look at him, you're like, really? That guy's going out with Alyssa Milano? But hey. He must have been hung like a horse. <laughs> Something. That could probably what it is. You know? <laughs> Some girls out there are size queens. I've heard of that. That you've heard of size queens? Yeah, yeah. I've never run into one of those before. I haven't either.
joining us from his deathbed is Clay Byersdorfer. You can catch him on the Last Man Up podcast, <laughs> part of stlpodcast.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Ton of Clayton. I like that plug. Nice yeah, that was plug. not bad, right? I like it. That was that was good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it, boys. This is your special edition yeah. music. Clay Clay Byersdorfer, what are, what are your last impressions that you want to give to the world before you uh before you leave the universe? Uh that uh I've loved and I've lived as long as I can. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you, know, you're putting me on the spot, man. And you and you tried and, and you tried hard doing it. Um, yeah, I, I definitely tried. Before we brought you on, we were talking about the dinner that Dexter Fowler is having at his house with uh, Mike Schilt and John Mozalock and, uh, and Mike Gersh at his house in Vegas while they were there for the winter meetings. What, what do you make of this? Are we trying to maybe read too much into it? I think they're just there to talk about his future with the team and, you know, a little bit about the direction of the 2019 franchise. Some people, like BFIP Twitter right now, is thinking that they're talking him into a trade. What do you think's going on? I don't know. I mean, anytime your boss is in town, you try to have him over for dinner, you know, especially if he lives out of town. So, I don't know. I don't view this as nothing more than, you know, Dexter Fowler living in Las Vegas area. And John Mosaic obviously being in town as well, and the two just getting together. Um, I think you know John is making definitely a, an attempt and, and definitely an effort to mend what is kind of a or what was at once a kind of a broken relationship with you know the coaching staff and uh, you know in the front office. So I don't look at it as any more than that. But you know I'm not the best fan in baseball. Yeah, I just thought, I was telling Matt that I thought maybe he was just going over there for dinner. They were, he invited them over just to have dinner. You know, hey, you're my bosses, you're in town. Uh, and, and very possible that they talk about baseball for about two minutes and then move on to other stuff. Just, you know, yeah. the, you know golf, common interest, whatever, or, you know, the, the, the night scene in Vegas where, uh, where Gersh should go pony up for the rest of the night. You think Mose likes someplace right now getting down on the club? Oh, I bet he's. A, I'm sure he's a spearmint rhino. There's probably a show. There's a show going right now with a with a bow tie tied around like. A... <laughs> I, I was just gonna say maybe there's a Brooks Brothers convention in town or something. <laughs> but he, I need a, I need a rim shot for that one for sure. That's absolutely. <laughs> um, Paul Goldschmidt last week he has his press conference, his introductory press conference. He put on the the birds of the bat jersey. I think his number is forty six. Forty six. They got to find him a better number than that one. I don't like that number at all. But. Well, I mean, so so I guess Luke Gregerson wouldn't give up forty four, or, or like, or didn't want to. Or he oh, was, was that his number? Is forty four? Uh huh. Oh, okay. So he didn't want to ask Gregerson for forty four because he's like, I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. Obviously, forty five is not available. That's reserved for uh, Mr. Bob Gibson. Correct. And so he gets uh, he gets forty six. Well, I thought maybe he's just running for president and he was going to announce now. That's why he put on the 46. Oh, very nice. Yeah, he's planning on being the 46th president of the United States. He probably easily could be the president of the United Uh, States. But he seemed very excited to be here, said that he doesn't know a player in Major League Baseball that doesn't want to play in St. Louis and play for the Cardinals. Um, He must not know Giancarlo Stanton. He must not know a lot of players, actually, that are probably (laughs) under the age of 25. Or David Price. (laughs) Well, David Price wanted to come here. We just got outbid by the Red Sox. Right. That's what happened because he said that he went to bed thinking that he was going to sign with the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. He got up in the morning and saw what the Red Sox offered him. And like, he yeah. said, let's do this. Yeah, so I, I guess I blame him there. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. I, I'm really, really excited, you know, about the Paul Goldschmidt thing, obviously. Um, I think, you know, we have all spoken at length over the last couple of weeks about, you know, how the Cardinals need to make a move. Um, you know, it's a good move, and, and it's 
the in the introductory you know press conference, you just kind of got that St. Louis type vibe uh, from Paul Goldschmidt, and it's really hard to explain it if you're not from here. But you know, when someone is from here and someone belongs here and around the organization, you can just tell right away. He definitely gives off a you know a Matt Holiday, uh, Adam Wainwright type vibe, but obviously younger. Um, you know, and fans identify with him. So, uh, it, you know, the Cardinals are every right to, you know, be excited about him and um, hopefully continue to make additions moving on in the winter. Clay, I know you have staffers on the ground in Las Vegas. What have you heard from them about the Cardinals or Bryce Harper? Uh, yeah, your guys' sources are probably as good as mine on that one. But uh, I don't know. Everything that I'm seeing is, is more or less, uh, you know, the Cardinals aren't really necessarily involved as heavy as other teams, but we haven't heard of one specific team being heavily, you know, more heavily favored than the other. So it could be all smoke and mirrors. They could, you know, maybe Mo is at Dexter Fowler's house talking him into a trade or some type of, hey, we're going to bring on Harper if we can, you know, kind of situation. But I don't know. I'd be excited, obviously, you know, if the Cardinals landed Harper, but who knows at this point. I think if the Cardinals, let, let, let's get into fantasy land. Let's say the Cardinals do sign Harper. And they and they keep Dexter Fowler. Harper's playing center field. Dexter Fowler's playing right. And I'm not sure who the odd man out is going to be, Bader or O'Neill. I guess whichever one they think they they could get the most value in on a trade. But I don't think they're going to keep all five outfielders unless they they trade Marcelo Zuna, which I think would be a mistake because yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah not one season in, not one season in. And let's let's see let's see what he like last year when he had after he had that quarter zone shot, he was the Cardinals' mm-hmm. best player. He was. So let's see yep. how he looks with that with that shoulder fully healed, and let's see how he looks like with a real with some real protection in the lineup. He may bounce back to where he looked like his last year when he was with the Marlins before the Cardinals trade for him. Then why would you trade him? I mean, that's what you want O'Neill and Bader to be is someone like Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, and that's exactly – you're exactly right, Matt. And that's kind of, you know, why they signed him. And I think one of the biggest struggles for him even last year was being, you know, the guy as opposed to one of the guys. Um, you know, Matt Carpenter obviously was hot for a little while. Um, but it's hard to put all the emphasis on a guy who's just not used to being in the spotlight. When you bring on a guy like Goldschmidt, who you know is going to hit for average, he's going to hit for pretty solid power numbers. Um, you have that protection, and Azuna goes back to doing what Azuna does well, and that's driving runs. Um, but you know, back to your original statement about you know the outfield situation. Uh, you know, if Harper were to come aboard, I absolutely agree. I think Dexter Fowler is your first guy in right field. Um, you know, but if you're Mike Schilt, you definitely have Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill at the ready. Um, and I think you have a really, really solid core group of outfielders right there. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to carry, you know, five outfielders on, on the roster. I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong. I just don't see them if, if they, if, like I said, they do sign Harper and they keep Dexter Fowler, that they're still going to keep Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader on the roster. I don't think they're going to keep both those guys on the bench. That's just me. Yeah, it's hard, especially because then you look at other potential, you know, people like Jose Martinez, who has played some outfield before. Yairo Munoz, you know, you know, does he lose, uh, you know, any credibility or I guess, uh, do you lose anything out of him knowing he probably won't play the outfield any? Um, so yeah, adding another outfielder is not necessary by any means for the Cardinals. It's just a luxury that you'd really, really like to have. Clay Byersdorfer from, well, here, the here. Last Man Up podcast, calling from his, <laughs> calling from his deathbed in a hospice someplace in uh, in O'Fallon, Illinois. Um, you know, uh, Ken Rosenthal tweeted today that the Dodgers were interested in Jose Martinez and, and playing him at first. And I'm hearing rumors that Jose Martinez may be part of a trade deal to the Tampa Bay Rays for Will Smith. 
Getting jiggy with it? Getting jiggy with it. I'm hearing that. <laughs> I'm going to Miami. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, between like Will Smith, Andrew Miller, and Zach Britton, the, I think the relief pitcher I would want the most is Zach Britton. But, you, I mean, you give me either one of those three, I think I'm going to be pretty happy. Yeah, I think you're in really good shape if you land any of them. Uh, it really just depends on the price that you pay for them, whether it's you know a trade or an actual free agent deal. Um, both have, you know, all three, I should say, have have been known to be effective, re- you know, relievers for multiple, you know, years on end. Um, the thing you worry about, you know, with Miller and uh, Britain is that they have some injury history, um, you know, and they weren't able to finish their season. So, um, other than that, you know, if the Cardinals can trade somebody like Jose Martinez or you know, one of the other guys that's not getting as much. You saw Patrick Wisdom leave the other day. Yeah. Um, you know, if they can get rid of Jose Martinez for one of those guys or, you know, do some type of signing for, you know, one of those free agent guys, um, the bullpen and the offense look really good, and you gotta you got to like where the Cardinals are at heading into 2019. I uh, want to quickly pivot to last night, the 30-for-30 30 30 on ESPN uh, 42 to one. That was the odds that Buster Douglas had to defeat Mike Tyson in their heavyweight fight in Tokyo. I believe that was in 1991 when that went down. Um, watching that 30 for 30 last night, it was, it was, I was glued to the TV boxing. I, I tweeted this out. Boxing by far is the most compelling sport. I don't think there's a sport more compelling than boxing. Uh, I, I, I find fighters the more, the most compelling athletes because it's just them. You know, they get into the ring. You you can't rely on anybody else. Your trainer's gone. Your cut man's gone. It's just you fighting that other guy, and, and you, 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 there could be serious, irreparable damage done to you if you're not careful. I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm a uh, boxing, I won't say fanatic, but I have such an appreciation, uh, you know, for boxing for the reason that it's the most sincere and oldest form of competition known to man that's equal. It puts, you know, mano y mano and to have a document, I, I haven't been able to watch 30 for 30 yet. Uh, I'm planning to this evening, but uh, I got very excited when I saw the preview and uh, couldn't agree more. You forget what an animal Mike Tyson was when he was younger. Oh, my God. Like when he first when he first turned pro, I remember when I was in college, and this is like before ESPN2 is what it is now. ESPN2, when it first got on the air, it was mostly dedicated to like extreme sports like surfing and skating yep. and, and, ki- and kayaking and, and hang gliding, stuff like that. But in the afternoons, they used to run like what they called Mike Tyson's greatest hits. And yeah. it was just nothing but, you know, two solid hours of Mike Tyson fights. And you would see like genuine fear in the opponent. Like before the fight would start, mm-hmm. this guy's like, this is going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. And I'm not looking forward to this at all. And the fact that Buster, Buster Douglas, they, they said like that is statistically, that is the greatest upset of all time in American sports. Yeah. I think people forget too, and, and you kind of alluded to it, but people forget how good Mike Tyson was so, so early in his career. Yeah, he was 20 uh, when he won the, I, when, he was 20 exactly. when he won the heavyweight title. And you just don't see that with boxers. I mean, uh, you know, certainly guys can be successful and, you know, beat other guys that are 18, 19, 20 years old. But you see the heavyweights, you know, the, the champions that come in year in, year out, they're in their later 20s and possibly early 30s. They've trained for years. Um, it's taken them reps after reps and fight after fight to get to the point that they're at. But it, it, it's true. I'm truly excited to see, you know, how the dominance that Mike Tyson displayed in the documentary and, um, you know, being able to have seen it in TV for myself, I, I can definitely attest to the fact that he's 
one of, if not the greatest fighter of all time, besides Muhammad, obviously. Mike Tyson would piss off the American public so often because uh, I remember a couple times uh, his pay-per-views would cost about 70, 70, 80 bucks. Oh, yeah. This is back in the 80s. And that was really expensive. And there was a fight against Michael Spinks, I want to say about 1987. Less than 91 seconds. 91 seconds into the first round. 91 seconds. And that people, was it. People were pissed. Furious. But Absolutely. I mean, I was just a little kid. I remember how mad the guy was at the house. We went to the neighbor's house to watch the fight, and he was pissed off. Oh, I would be too. But, I mean, at least you got to see a knockout. You know, I mean, like... And, like a real knockout. A, a real knockout. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be something different if Tyson did something crazy and bit off his ear like he did with Evander Holyfield and got mm-hmm. disqualified 90 seconds in. Then you're going to feel like you got ripped off, but at least you got to see a little bit of, of, of organized violence. Uh, Colin Cowherd, who was broadcasting in Las Vegas uh, during the time of Tyson's heyday when he was you know, the biggest athlete in the world, he said there mm-hmm. was nothing more exciting, more electric than going to a Mike Tyson heavyweight fight. He goes, you walked in, and he goes, Cowherd said, there was just sex in the air. He's like, every guy was there with the most beautiful woman, and that place was just foaming at the mouth and ready to pop. And I've been to a couple of boxing matches like that. What was it in 2000 and, uh, 2004, 2005 when Corey Spinks fought Zab oh, Judah? Yeah. yeah. And it's I, it's I was, I, were, were, did you go to the arena and watch the fight live? I did not. I, I was not there. Okay. I watched I, it on television. Okay. But- I was there. I was there, and that arena was Blast. ready. That ready was that arena was ready to explode because he came out with Nelly, yeah, and everybody in everybody in the stands was dancing and singing along, and that place was ready to that roof was going to pop off. There was so much energy there. So when when Coward says that about Tyson fights, I understand what he's talking about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you combine the lure and the the mystical being that Mike Tyson was in the boxing world, and you mix that with Las Vegas, the hype is going to be, you know, through the roof. And so, yeah, I absolutely am on, I'm on board with that. I'll never, it's funny, while you guys were talking, I was trying to think the first fight that I ever watched with Mike Tyson, I think it was against Lennox Lewis, but I can't remember if it was the first or second time. um, They only fought once. There was a knock. You're right. You're right. It was uh, first, yeah, the only time I should say, uh, but I can't remember if it was a knockout or not. Uh, yeah, Lennox Lewis, I think, eventually knocked out Tyson because the thing with Tyson, especially there towards the end. I mean, I, I know like Tyson's famous quote is that everybody's got a plan until they get hit, but towards the end there, Tyson, if you can, you if you could withstand the barrage for the first couple of rounds. He boxed himself out. He was no longer in the condition that he was before when he was younger. So if you could withstand like the first three or four rounds, all you really had to do was outbox him, and that's that's exactly what Lennox Lewis did. Because I remember it was at the uh, at the uh, at the the Pyramid Arena in uh, Memphis. What's it, what was that called? I think it was called the oh, Pyramid. Was it called uh, the Pyramid? Okay, I, yeah, thought, I, think I thought it was, it was called something pyramid. else. It's now a Bass Pro Shop. Is <laughs> that's kind of sad when you think about it. Anyway, um, that's where they had the boxing match because there was no place in Vegas that would give Tyson a boxing license. So we had to go to Tennessee to get one. That's the reason why they had it there. I didn't know that. And I remember... How like, come they wouldn't... I, I forgot what it was. was uh, had he been accused of crimes at that point? Who, 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 what, I mean, with Tyson, who knows? Yeah. I mean, you, you have to research it. Tyson's one of those guys where if I told you something extraordinarily crazy that I just completely made up about Mike Tyson, you'd probably believe it. Oh, yeah, he was a nut. Yeah. Because, I mean, he still, and he still is. Yeah. 
Um, but like the, the tension between the two, the two fighters was so great that they actually had the Memphis PD uh, saw off the ring. Like they they uh, they stood in there like, like to divide the ring from corner to corner to keep the two fighters apart before they actually started boxing because they had a brawl at the press conference. And they, That's were, right. I remember they were, that. and they were afraid that they were just going to start brawling even before like the ref could go over the instructions and they rang the bell. So they had the Memphis PD uh, go from corner to corner and divide the, the ring in half. It was, That's it, funny. Was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It, 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 uh, I, I can't, you can't say enough about Mike Tyson. I, it, the more we talk about this, the more I need to get off the phone with you guys and go watch this documentary. So <laughs> the documentary is great. There's another one out there too. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's, um, if it's available anywhere, it's called Assault in the Ring. It came out on HBO. I've seen, yep, ten, I've seen that you, one. You've seen that one, okay, between Billy Collins yep. Jr. and uh, Luis Resto. If, I mean, yep. That is one of the more compelling pieces of work I've ever seen in my entire life. Yep. Uh, Billy Collins Jr., Luis Resto, his trainer, Panama Lewis, used plaster on the wrapping and then put the gloves over it. And he beat Billy Collins Jr. so bad that it ended his career. I mean, when they, when they showed his face, his eyes were so swollen that he couldn't even look out. He couldn't even see through his own eyes because yeah. his face was so swollen. And it ended up detaching his retina. His career was over. Yeah. And he was 23 years old. If you're 23 and now you're told, hey, you thought what you were going to be doing for like you know the good portion of your life, well, you can't anymore. And he fell into a huge depression and started drinking and, you know, became an alcoholic and ended up uh, dying in a one-car uh, accident in Kentucky where he was from and, and, you know, ended up killing himself in this car accident. And, you know, Luis Resto had this huge guilt about what happened because he knew that he was cheating and just realized that he had done this. And it's basically Luis Resto trying to look for forgiveness from that family, for Billy Collins' family. If you can find it someplace, it's called Assault in the Ring. It was on HBO 10 years ago. One of the most compelling pieces of work I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it was a really good documentary. I'm looking forward to this Tyson one even more, though, I think. Uh, you're you're not going to you're not going to be disappointed by it. Um, before that hear. one last night was the one about Bobby Knight. I forgot what it was called. I saw half of that about the um, about the Neil Reed situation. The the how that went down with Bobby Knight leaving Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I hated Bobby yep. Knight then. And then after watching the documentary, I hate Bobby Knight even more than I did even even more now than I did back then. Uh, you're preaching to the choir here. I'm a Kentucky guy, so I, you know I was raised to hate Bobby and Mike Shashevsky, Roy Will, all of them. It's got nothing. It's got nothing. Smith. It's got nothing to do with a rivalry or anything like that. But just the, the way that he treated those players was deplorable. I mean, yeah, people are talking about oh, you know, snowflakes, millennials, they're all soft now. It's got nothing to do with being soft. If you were a if 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 you were he was at work, a bully, he was if, a bully. If you were at work tomorrow and your boss talked to you the way that Bobby Knight was talking to those kids, you would want to fight your boss in the parking lot. You probably want to fight him right then and there. You know, it's got nothing. Probably to, so. It's got nothing to do with toughening anybody up. Yeah. I mean, it was just 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 ridiculous. And then Bobby Knight was disgusting, talking about like you know because. Um, uh, Neil Reed, he ended up dying. He had a heart condition. He ended up dying. He's been dead for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And there were other people, a part of the Indiana administration, that have that let him go. And Bobby Knight was so bitter, they played a clip of him uh, calling in a Dan Patrick show. And he go, and Bobby Knight's like, I wish they would all die. I'm like, seriously? Rude. Yeah. I mean, just, just despicable. I mean, Bobby Knight, 
I know there's a lot of people out there who just absolutely worship the ground that he walks on because he can coach basketball, but come on, he's a, he's a terrible individual. Well, he's, one of, yeah. he's one of TLR's best friends. Oh, yeah. He and Tony La Russa are, yeah. are big-time fans because I remember when he got in trouble at Texas. I, I can't remember if he was still at IU or if he was at Texas Tech. And, and he got in trouble both places. One of the students on campus. Texas Tech. Was it at Texas Tech? One of, the, one of the students on campus said, what's up, Knight? And Bobby Knight went over there and put his hands on him and said, when you see me, you put out some respect, and you either call me Mr. Knight or Coach Knight. You don't call me Knight. And, like, just got in that kid's face. Yeah. And I remember Larusa and McGuire defending him after that happened. Well, it's funny to see that a lot of the, And I think uh, Tony Larusa is a better example of uh, hard-nosed coaching. You know, not very – Pat, you on your back. Obviously, a guy that celebrates with you, but a guy that's very stern in the face. You know, the Joe Torre type player or the Joe Torre type manager. Um, you know, it's all business, and you know he takes the job very seriously. Um, you know, obviously, Bobby Knight jumped over the line way, you know, way too many times. But um, yeah, I was grown to hate Bobby. I hated him even more when they decided to make him a broadcaster, and I hated him even more after that when they. They made him do a game with Dick Vitale, and it was like, oh my god! It was like listening to Shady Acres narrate an NBA basketball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a terrible broadcaster, just awful, terrible, uh, terrible. I remember when he was trying to chase down win number eight hundred, and he was at Texas Tech at the time, and this was like around New Year's Eve. It was kind of like around the end of the year when he was doing this. And there, everybody, all the reporters that were in Lubbock, Texas, were really hoping that he would do it before New Year's Eve because they wanted to get the the hell out of town and go back home and maybe go someplace a little more, I don't know, electrifying to celebrate New Year's <laughs> Eve than Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want to spend my time there either. <laughs> Clay Byersdorfer, we are, we are going to miss you after you leave this earth. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but, you know, in, in the in the... In the rare case, or in the slight, uh, slight chance that you pull off this miracle and defeat this horrible disease, we'll see you next week. I'll be back next week, boys. It's good to talk to you. Get sounds, well, get well soon, Clayton. That is Clay Byersdorfer from Well From Here, the Last Man Up podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony Clayton. You've been listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Last Man Up Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay at Tunnel Clayton, and you can follow Andy at Emo6. Speaking of Andy, he's here right now with the top five trending stories, top five trending stories of the week. At number five, Bill Madden seemingly goes against his own criteria by voting for Placido Blanco for the Hall of Fame. Uh, baseball Hall of Fame voting often produces some weird takes, and one of the latest comes from Bill Madden of the New York Daily News. Madden decided to vote for Placido Polanco and seemed to even contradict himself in why he did so. Placido Polanco, a Hall of Famer? No, not even close. Uh, you could even make the argument that Harold Baines really isn't one either, but I mean, I'm not angry that he got in. I don't care. Was happy to see Lee Smith get in. Uh, one of the great Lee, uh, relief pitchers of all time, and I mean, everybody loved him when he was here. Big Lee Arthur. He was also, uh, so back to Polanco, he was also no slouch as a hitter with a lifetime batting average of 297, 2,142 hits, and 1,009 runs scored. I mean, Polanco wasn't a bad player. No, he's just not a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet says, politics for the first time in five years got the better of the committee. 
argues Urban Meyer won't coach again because he's an he's an Ohio State guy to his core. So what, what does that have to do with politics? I don't understand what he's uh, saying. See what I got here. Is he, is he talking about like why they didn't get into the Correct. Uh, yeah, why, why didn't oh, he get well. into the college football okay. playoff? Well, of course, Herb Street's going to say that because Herb Street, where did he go to school? Ohio State. Right. So he's always going to stick up for Ohio State. If you want to talk about a team that probably that that should have got in that didn't get in was Georgia. Georgia's a much better team than what Ohio State is. Yeah, and that's what he's saying. He's saying that Georgia should have been in. Oh, he's saying Georgia, not Ohio State. Yeah, he's saying it's Kirk Kirby says Georgia should have been in the, in the I got college football I mean, playoff. There are a lot of people that feel the same way that he does, but I think there's something that needs to be said about winning your conference. I know you're going to say, hey, Notre Dame, they didn't win a conference, but Notre Dame went undefeated. If you're Notre Dame and you're undefeated, you're going to be in the college playoff. That's just the way it is, people. Just the way it is. I mean, and there's no beating Alabama. I mean, so, I mean, you know, same and deal. If, if anybody had a chance, it was probably Georgia. Because if you watch the first half of the SEC it title game, Georgia outplayed them. Just Kirby Smart just made a couple of boneheaded plays. And then Jalen Hurts, who knew that he was going to step in for uh, for the injured Tua and play as well as he did. Albert Breer has thoughts on Cam Newton's wardrobe and Alabama's coaching staff salaries. Uh, Sports Illustrated's Greer is back on his tiki bandwagon, this time going around in how Carolina Panthers QB Cam Newton dresses. Albert tweets, might want to lose the hat and chase after throwing four picks. Um, he's uh, Cam here is wearing a, uh, I would describe them as Egon glasses. Okay. And a bowling hat with like plaid, like a plaid ribbon around it, and the plaid matches his jacket. Clay, or not Clay, um... Cam Newton wears some colorful clothes. Yeah, uh, I got no problem. Like his wardrobe is his wardrobe, and like there's nobody gets more scrutinized for his post game press conferences than Cam Newton. Cam Newton can never do anything right when it comes to a post game press conference. If they lose and he's not sad enough, then people get on him about it. Or if he you know says the wrong thing to somebody. Uh, at the press conference, like he'll call a reporter sweetheart or something like that. Then he loses a uh, a yogurt sponsorship. There's Cam Newton might as well just stop doing press conferences because he can't win with them. His other tweet, uh, or Albert Pierce's other uh, other tweet. I bet if you did a cost benefit analysis of Nick Saban and his staff's value to the University of Alabama, you'd probably find they're actually underpaid. Uh, number twenty three college football coaches making more than one million dollars in two thousand four. 21 college assistant coaches making more than $1 million in 2018. He is probably actually very accurate in that because no, nothing, I'm telling you right now, people, nothing has a bigger impact on the enrollment of your college or university than the success of the football team. It's a huge deal. It is a huge deal. The only exceptions to that might be like KU and Duke, who are like basketball powerhouses. Those are probably maybe the only two where the basketball team success has more of, uh, more of an effect than what the football team does. But even even look at Mizzou. When Mizzou was at the top with Gary Pinkle and you had Chase Daniel and Jeremy Macklin and Chase Kaufman and, and that whole bunch, yeah. um, enrollment at Mizzou was through the roof. And then when Gary Pinkle and they had that whole protest thing on campus, the Mizzou team wasn't very good. Enrollment started to go down. But you know what? Enrollment, the team is starting to do a little bit better. Enrollment is back on the uptick over at Mizzou. So, I mean, it's there's, there's a reason why they do that. There's a reason why they pay their coaches as much as they do. Uh, your buddy Rob Parker says, Screw Baker Mayfield. 
Parker, the guy who had his ESPN contract not renewed after his is he a real brother or a cornball brother, remarks about RG3 having a white fiance, has been at Fox since 2015 and has been dropping plenty of hot takes there. The latest came on his Fox Sports radio show with Chris Broussard, where Parker took exception to Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield's criticisms of former head coach Hugh Jackson and did so in strong terms basically telling him to screw off. Again, who's Rob Parker? Who's Rob Parker? Rob Parker, there's a reason why you're slumming in on FS1 with Chris Broussard, who never broke a story in his life. <laughs> and finally, uh, kind of a little close to home, Matt Walsh uses Kareem Hunt video to make an absurd argument about gender equality. Uh, the video of Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt's altercation with a woman in a hotel sparked a massive condemnation and led to the team releasing him. But right-wing pundit Matt Walsh had a different take, using the situation to complain about liberals in a Daily Wire piece titled, An NFL Player is Being Condemned for Hitting a Woman, She Hit Him Too, What Happened to Gender Equality? That is probably the first time you're ever going to hear of a right-wing conservative pundit ever sticking up for a black NFL football player. Probably. That's probably the only time you're going to have it. Uh, I mean, and right now the Chiefs are saying that Kareem Hunt may have an issue with alcohol and he may have an issue with violence. And they're hoping that he gets the, the help and the treatment that he deserves. Now, last week when I was on Charlie Tuna's show and we had Howard Balzer on, and we were talking about the subject about Kareem Hunt and anger issues. Yeah. That maybe he needs to see a psychiatrist and get a hold of those, ang- of those anger issues. What if what makes Kareem Hunt such a great football player and a great running back are those anger issues? So you treat Kareem Hunt the person, and he's a better person off the football field, but he gets on the football field and he is no longer an effective NFL running back. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that's 100% what it is. I'm just wondering I mean, if, if, if those two are intertwined, if they're related. I mean, you have to think. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, because, I mean, football isn't violent. It, it still doesn't excuse hitting a woman. I mean, I'm not, no, yeah, I am, and, I am, and I know you're not doing I that. Not I know you're not doing that. No, I know you're not. No, 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 no. No, and I know you wouldn't do that. Not excusing it at all. No. I'm just talking about, I'm just basically. If ask, you fix him, if you fix Kareem Hunt the person, do you ruin Kareem Hunt the football player? That's what I'm asking. I'm, and I'm not suggesting that they is should it, do it. And is it important? I don't know. I'm not suggesting that they, like, I'm not even giving an opinion on whether or not you should or you shouldn't do it. Everybody, I mean, this is America. That's up to you. Everybody has to. Have, everybody is free to make their own choices. This is America, Jack. This is America, Jack. And everybody has to, unfortunately, sometimes be responsible for the choices that they make. Look at Kareem Hunt. And look at what he did. He's no longer an NFL player. So if he does get the treatment that we all think that he needs, yeah, he might be end up being a better person. But he's twenty three. What is he going to do for the rest of his life? I mean, he. he, he he's, oh, I mean, yeah. He he signed a, an NFL rookie contract. He was a third round pick. It's a, I mean, it's a lot of money compared to what everybody else has, but it's not going to be enough money where you're going to live the rest of your life on, more than likely. Unless he has smart invi- smart investment advisors, I mean, which, who knows who, who does or not. Who, who knows? And I have no idea what he did at Toledo, what his major was. Maybe he was a better student than what most people kind of give football players credit for. He, he could have a, a degree. He, he could have a degree in astrophysics, and he's going to go work for NASA. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I'm just wondering how that's going to all play out. Courtesy of Awful Announcing, those are the uh, top five hot takes of the week. I'm Andy Hanselman. That is Andy Hanselman. Special thanks to our uh, deathly guest, Clay uh, Byersdorfer. Let's let's hope he pulls through. Everybody, hashtag. Last I heard, I heard a tweet. Uh, I saw a tweet that he had been uh, possessed by the uh, <laughs> by the devil. Hashtag pray for Clay. 
Hopefully, hopefully he'll, be, uh, he'll be feeling better. He'll be joining us next week. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Tonto Clayton. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Burger. Follow Andy at Emo6. And we will see you on the other side, everybody. Have a good night.